I'm Chelsea Locklear. And I'm Brittany Hunt. And this is the Red Justice Project. So, August 2005 was pretty memorable for me, Brittany. It was around the time that Walmart in Pembroke, North Carolina, where I'm from, was opening up. And if you're from our area, then you know how big of a deal it was not to drive all the way to Brittany's town of Lumberton (laughs) if you needed something. Oh my God, I did not know that you would know the exact day when Walmart in Pembroke opened up. But that's pretty funny to me. But yeah, you're right. Us um, bougie Indians in Lumberton, we had our Walmart for a long time. Well, I know because, you know, around that time in August, I was turning 16 in 2005 and I was going to get a job working at the subway inside of the Walmart in Pembroke. And, you know, I ended up actually getting that job and I worked there until I went away to college. So sandwich artists meeting all your needs in case y'all want to test me on my subway knowledge. And, you know, I just love that minimum wage job. And I just like getting to see all the people coming in and out of Walmart every single day. And, you know, just having so much fun there. And I actually am telling you all this because later on I'll tell you about the connection all this time period kind of has with the person that we'll be discussing today. Well, let me um, just say real quick. So that's probably why the sanitation score back in them years was so bad. (laughs) Weren't it about an 80? Lies. (laughs) We can can end this podcast right now. (laughs) No, thanks. So as much of an exciting time as it was in my life during that August, it ended up being a quite devastating time for one Lumbee family. And today we'll tell you the story of that family. This is the story of Ronald Dean Locklear. So Ronald was only 31 years old and he was living in Roland, North Carolina. His niece, Tisha, described him as having a big heart and who, um, you know, she said he was really loved by his family. She said that if she ever needed anything, he was always willing to help out and that he was a very giving person to all of his family, too. He was the type of person that said, you know, call me if you need anything, and he actually meant it and would come through for you. One example she gave was when her husband bought a repossessed mobile home that needed some work done on it. So Ronald willingly helped her husband without any kind of compensation. And I think those are exactly the kind of family members, you know, that we all really want. Those who will be able to help you out without any hesitation. Definitely, those family members are the best and deserve the biggest piece of red velvet cake during the holidays. With pecans in it. And Ronald was from a huge Lumbee family. He had several brothers and sisters, and Tisha said he would check on her mama, who was his sister, at least once a day and would go and see his mama at least three times a day. And I'm sure that, you know, must be a really comforting memory for Tisha since... Her mama had passed away. And also, you know, it's clear Ronald was really a big mama's boy, which, you know, is really, I think, a sweet thing. And one of his hobbies was actually making wooden dream catchers. But his favorite hobby was just spending time with friends and family. So, as I mentioned, our story takes place in 2005. Ronald Dean had recently spent time in prison on drug-related charges, but he had served his time and was out and ready for a fresh start on life, keeping busy with work and enjoying his family. He, 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 he could pull some time for some stuff that he'd done. He knew what he had done. But when he come out, he, 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 was a, he was a better person. On the night of August 26, 2005, Ronald was at home by himself when someone knocked on his door. Whoever knocked on his door was someone that he knew because, according to all accounts, there was no sign of forced entry, 
And so he knew whoever it was, you know, that he opened the door for, you know, if it was one person or multiple people, we're not sure. Whoever Ronald Dean led into his home that night would be the person to take his life. That person had Ronald Dean kneel down in front of the island in his kitchen and shot him twice, execution style, right in the chest. In an instant, the family man who was ready for a new lease on life and a fresh start, the person so willing to help his family and friends, was murdered. And from what we learned from interviewing Ronald's brother Roosevelt, Ronald Dean was found by a group of five men who knew him and had been trying to get in touch with him on that Friday evening and had not heard from him. They got into his trailer and found him and called 911. As his family learned about the extent of what happened to Ronald, they were all left with the same question. Who murdered Ronald Dean? The sheriff at the time, Kenneth Seeley, began the investigation into Ronald's death. The family was told that they interviewed the five men who found Ronald, which when I was interviewing Roosevelt, I thought was a little suspicious that there were so many men who had gone over to his home. Like I couldn't figure out if they were a group of friends or how they were all connected and if any of them actually knew what truly happened to Ronald and kind of just wanted to be there when he was found to see what the others had to say. Yeah, I do think it's a little bit strange, I guess, that, you know, it'd have to be five people to go check on him. I mean, I could see maybe two or three, but five is kind of a large group to have to gather together to go check. But another thing that you mentioned earlier was that whoever killed Ronald must have been someone who knew him because there was no sign of forced entry and everything in the home seemed to be in place. So I just wonder also if there was any DNA evidence at all that was left at the scene. That's definitely one of the things I asked Roosevelt, but he said not to his knowledge and that whatever gun they used belonged to the killer because at Ronald's home, he only had an old shotgun that was still under the bed when he was found. One of the things that I learned from my mama, actually, who knew Ronald and knew most of his family members was that Ronald was cooking dinner when he was killed or when he let his killer or killers in. You know, she didn't say that she was a guaranteed thing, but something she always heard. So I wonder if he actually had invited the person over for dinner, who would ultimately be his killer, or if he had talked to that person earlier in the day and told him that, you know, he was just going to be at home by himself for the evening, you know, maybe making dinner, having a relaxing Friday night. There's just so many unknowns in this case. I also wonder, did he have a girlfriend or like a partner who he was dating at the time? Um, I would like to know you know more about that but you also mentioned that your mama knew Ronald Dean so did you also know him so y'all this is how small Robson County truly is I didn't think I honestly had any association with Ronald Dean other than knowing some of his family members through my mama such as his niece Tisha who he mentioned reached out to us about the story but it turns out I actually went to Ronald Dean's wake or as Lumbee folks call it setting up because it generally is a time before the funeral when the body is set up usually at a funeral home and friends and family gather to pay their respects in what I would consider a bit more of a social and less formal setting than a funeral would you agree with that Brittany yeah um, I think it's it is um, you know less formal than a funeral for sure and I also think you know for Lumbee's funeral days can be really tough on family members as it's usually the final goodbye And I think wakes or setting ups offer a time to speak with more folks and just socialize a bit more. Um, But wait, so it's just really crazy to me that you actually went to the setting up of somebody who we're doing a case on. So did you not remember going? So Brittany, the crazy thing is, is that I went on my 16th birthday. Oh my God. So his 
setting up was on my 16th birthday, which is August 30th, just four days after he passed away. Like we went out to eat that Tuesday night for my birthday. And then my mama dragged me to awake so we could pay our respects to his family. And I honestly don't know too many people who've had to spend their 16th birthdays at a funeral home with someone they didn't personally know. But I guess that's how I spent mine. And I didn't quite remember until my mama, who has a great long-term memory, reminded me. I guess I clearly have blocked out that part of my evening, which is in no way, you know, to disrespect Ronaldine. I guess I was probably a sulky teen who was like, why am I being dragged to another setting up? You know, my mama took me to a lot growing up and, but you know, especially on my birthday. But had I known that like 15 years later, we would have a podcast where we're covering his story, like I would have soaked in every detail like tried to talk to all the family members, looked out for any sketchy people at the setting up, make sure, you know, we're at the funeral, reaching out to the sheriff's department. Like I would have tried to be like a little investigator. Right. Like we need a time machine and I need you to go back to your 16 year old self and tell her about the Red Justice Project. Ugh, if only. But I am glad that I asked my mama about him because I honestly would have completely forgotten. She didn't know Ronald as well as she knew some of his other family members. She worked with one of his sisters, Marilyn, who has since passed, and she went to school with and was good friends during that time with his brother Mitchell. And as I said, she just knew a bit about Ronald. He was a few years younger than her at the time of his death, but she described him as funny and kind and pretty sweet to everyone that he knew. He was just known to be an all-around good person, and she said she remembered seeing him all the time at the Harley Rally, which if you're not familiar with the Harley Rally, it is a bike rally where Harley-Davidson bike owners and Harley bike lovers gather for a week in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and just ride and party and just do their thing. And I still get mad at Mama that I had to stay with Grandma when she went to the rally when I was old enough to realize what the rally was. You know your little rump don't need to be at no darn Harley rally. Even now, you don't need to be there. But yeah, a lot of my friends go and they have a great time. But um, I've never personally been, so I don't know if y'all need to take my Lumbee card or what. But So we were told that the five men who found Ronald were questioned by the sheriff's department about Ronald Dean's murder, but with no confessions, no DNA evidence left at the scene and no murder weapon recovered, his case quickly went cold over the years. It's been 15 years since Ronald Dean was killed without a single lead in the case or any eyewitnesses that saw someone head to his home on that dreadful Friday evening. Without any clues in the case, there are so many unknowns. As mentioned earlier, he had been previously involved with drugs, but he had served his time and he was out and ready for a new start in life. It's hard to know if someone from his past came back to hurt him for something or, you know, um, he had been in danger before he went to prison. This case also took place in 2005, so we're not sure if he had a cell phone or any way to track his movements throughout the day. I know his brother said that he had stopped by his mama's house earlier in the day to check on her, but that was really the last time anybody heard from Ronald Dean. And one of the sad parts of this case for me is that he really didn't get the time to truly turn his life around. You know, when we say someone has spent time in prison, that doesn't mean they're necessarily a bad person. So many folks I know, including, you know, members of my own family have been involved with drugs and have went to prison and they come out different people once they paid their debt to society. 
and you know did their time and we know from talking to his family that he was on that path to bettering his life yeah i also have family members who were incarcerated too so it's definitely should not be considered you know a marker of somebody being a bad person or not and you're right he he had paid his debt to society so and another thing that i wanted to mention before we wrap up the episode was there are not many news articles on ronald dean so i was on the north carolina state bureau of investigations cold case site And they had pictures of all the cold case victims in North Carolina. So to help you visualize, on the homepage, there are five rows of pictures with five pictures in each row. Except for the last row, it only has three pictures. And in each of the first three rows, y'all, is a Native American person from North Carolina. So one in five folks in the first three rows and basically three of the 23 people pictured all together you know, are Native American, which is crazy to me. And you may be like, wait, that's only three people. But that represents 13% of the folks on the cold case site being Native American or indigenous. And we only make up, you know, less than 2% of North Carolina's population. So we just want to reiterate the fact that our cases for indigenous folks just go unsolved and turn cold at a much higher rate than other groups in our state as well as across the country. We talk about this each week but when you see pictures like that grid on the SBI's cold case site it really drives it home especially for such a small community like ours because Ronald Dean was one of the pictures and Brittany Locklear was another one of the pictures and she was the very first case we covered in this podcast And the third picture is that of Faith Hedgepeth, who is a member of the Halawasaponi tribe and not someone we've talked about yet, but is a case that is very familiar to Brittany and I and almost every indigenous person in North Carolina. And I know for me, Brittany, Faith's case is one I think about constantly. Yeah, that's the same for me, too. I'm always hoping for justice for Faith. And I know so many other Native people and just, you know, people in general are hoping for the same. I I also just think it's crazy that three out of the 23 that's I mean that is a really big number and I didn't know that and I was going to ask you you know what percent were Lumbee but you just said so it's two of the two of the three are Lumbee and so I think that's also telling too so I'm just I guess um and also we know that the number is a lot bigger than that like there are a lot more cold cases we cover cold cases almost every single week so or 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 cases that are kind of going towards being cold so and before we end the episode I would like to read a post that Ronald Dean's niece Tisha shared with us this is what it says. My post about him on his birthday, March the 2nd. I would always tell people that Ronald was my uncle, but he was only three years older than I was. He was good to me like a brother. He was like a son to my mother. He would check on my mom daily and that meant so much to me. When he was killed, I was lost for a while, thinking it was a bad dream. I wrote the poem below in memory of my love for my uncle Ronald. He was a one of a kind. I always imagined that my children would have the chance to see their Uncle Ronald for the great uncle he was. I always dreamed that I would have the chance to sit at your wedding and say, I thought he would never settle down. I always imagined seeing your children dancing at the powwows and embracing their American Indian heritage. I dreamed that even when you were 65 years old with long gray hair, I would still call you Uncle Ronald. Now my dreams have been destroyed and I am in disbelief. I sit here hoping that you are coming back to me, coming back to the family. I still wait, wishing that you would walk through my door and say to me, have you missed your Uncle Ronald? If you have any information about the murder of Ronald Dean Locklear, please reach out to the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation. 
any information would be greatly appreciated in finding just for Ronald and his family.